coming up next in The Ziggler Show. In our last show of 2021, Tom Ziegler and I take to task goals. It's time for New Year's resolutions and goal setting for all the aspiring people of the world. And truth is, the idea of setting goals is actually a downer for a lot of people. It comes with guilt and doubt. And at the root is what drives us or not. And it's our motive. And my intent is to free you from some goals completely and amp your motive for others. Naming a goal you have or a problem you want to solve is a beginning. It's a map in front of you, but the journey is getting into something that actually will transport you there. And this is your motive. I mean, do you really want to achieve whatever the goal is that you've set down here? Why? What does arriving at it look like? Is it really that important to you? And conversely, what if you don't make it? Is that okay? Because if it is, maybe it's not necessary. Are you driven by desire? Or is the better, more true motive pain and fear? Some of my goals are driven by what I feel like is healthy fear. The point is knowing why you have a goal and what is actually driving you and discerning which goals really matter and which you can be free of. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. On The Ziggler Show, my focus is getting to the root of personal and business development by digging into what actually helps us change and transform and achieve the progress we feel called to and the fulfillment we truly desire. Here I bring today's most influential people onto the show and take captive the core issues of human performance to have conversations about what really matters to our individual lives. Today we're talking about goals and if you want to join like-minded people and get feedback and support on working out this topic, I invite you to join our community of people devoted to making positive change in their life and work. Come on over to kevinmiller.co. Join my Driven to Live community. You can go from listening to this podcast episode on goals and motives and actually engage with it. Now I bring you Tom Ziegler and this discussion on goals and motives. Tom, you're the one that brought me that concept that I've, you know, mentioned who knows how many times of goals. I mean, my gosh, you're Tom Ziegler. Your dad's like the grandfather of goal setting, right? We talk about goals. So, I mean, that is the ultimate thing. If we're right here, if, unless we're totally content, satisfied, done, then maybe we don't have goals other than just try to maintain that, you know, day to day. Most of us have something in our lives that we would like to have it be better, or maybe we just don't want it to be as bad, whatever, but something we would, we would look at and go, no, I'm not, I'm not totally satisfied or content or, or, or I'm not okay with that. And so we're going to say that that's a goal, call it goals, call it uh, what I started off with citing that you said, uh, and a study was done that a lot more people relate to solving problems. I think that's interesting, but still to break it down and to say what really motivates me. So for everybody out there, what really motivates me? Here's X, Y, Z. It's this new year's is, is on us and we're going to put out our goals sheets. That's what we do in my family. But this year I'm going to be specifically talking about, okay, guys, write down your stuff, all that stuff. But then the second part, maybe most important is Why? Why do you want that? And what will motivate you? What is going to motivate you? Because just to put it out there, because as the years go by, I know this happens to everybody, or I assume if you're doing consistent goals, you find some that just sit there and you don't make progress. The days go by, the months, the years, whatever. And two things is what I come to is one, I have not clarified 
a, a motive that's clear and I'm in agreement with that is then strong enough to drive me drive. I'm, I want to be the drive guy as my new book comes out next year, you know, drive. I, I want to, so I want to figure out what will drive me towards that or realize it's just not that important to me and let that sucker go. Uh, I talked about this in my new driven to live community recently. And one guy came back pretty quick, same day. And he says, man, Kevin, after that discussion, we had our, our weekly live time together. He said, after that discussion, I came, kind of reviewed my list. Now I cut two of them loose. I realized I, I just, I'm not, and I don't have to be. Oh, what a sigh of relief. How much peace is there? There may be, so here, here maybe there's a, an outlier call out for this show. I'm going to help you guys get rid of some goals. <laughs> How's that? But that may be great because if you let those things go that have some guilt and shame and, and, and bothersome aspects to them go, you've got more energy to devote to the ones that are legitimate. So play with that with me here, Tom, of looking at, okay, goals, problems, whatever, but looking at, yeah, at the end of the day, what is going to motivate me to get up and take action? And if I don't understand that, that's why I often see them languish. Kevin, I was having a conversation with Jason Friend. Mm -hmm. Jason, uh, dynamic speaker, he teaches our Ziegler Speakers Institute, helping people create uh, what we call as uh, keynotes that get people to take action, right? So it's all about presenting a message in a way that gets uh, an audience to take action. When you're setting a goal, you got to do the same thing. You, you got to lay the foundation and build it in such a way that you're going to take action on it, right? Because why bother with a goal that's just going to sit there? And so in our, in our Ziegler system, there's a lot of questions there are filtering questions that we have people answer before they turn that thing into a goal. Uh, I have this comment. I said, there's only one thing worse than setting a goal and not achieving it. And that's setting the wrong goal mm -hmm. and achieving it. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Amen. Amen. Right. So while it's bad to write a goal down and not take action on it, it's worse to write the wrong goal down and go for it and put a lot of energy into it and get there and go, gosh, why did I do that? So in that conversation with Jason, we talked about uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So internal motivation versus external motivation. Yeah. And we were going back and forth with it. And I said, well, you know, dad figured it out a long time ago. It's a real simple phrase because we were talking about performance and making more money and, you know, all the things that come with that. And a lot of that's external internals like family and joy and, you know, taking a bike ride in the mountains and being able to pause and just soak it in without worry or anxiety or <laughs> just knowing you're at the right place doing what you should be doing. Yeah. And so I think the word there is the, the words that you've got to compare is, is like, or love. Okay. Okay. And so we like the things that money buys. We love the things that money can't buy. Okay. And what we want to do as we qualify our goals and make sure that it's really ours 
and that we're going to, uh, Seth Godin talks about, we're going to persevere with grit through the dip, right? When the going gets tough. I think in a, a lot of cases, the goal, especially the difficult goals, it has to give you both, right? It's got to give you some of what you like and, and a lot of what you love, mm -hmm. because otherwise the motive, the drive to get through it, isn't going to be there. Mm -hmm. So in our, in our system, we talk about the, you know, you write down your goal. This is what you want to accomplish. Or if you're a problem solver, if you're in the 80% who like to check off the to-do list, you write down the problem you want to solve. And then the second question is, well, what are the benefits to you of that? And this is where people don't spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. If, if, if you say, gosh, you know, I want to uh, become a doctor and go through 12 years of graduate school in order to be a specialist in something, and you write the benefits down, and the only benefit that you can come up with is you're going to have an esteemed position that's well paid. If that's the only benefit that you can come up with, it's going to be a long 12 years mm -hmm. <laughs> getting there, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that people who go through that have to deal with. So that benefits list needs to be filled with likes and loves. That's why we dig in and we say, well, what's, well, I want to, I want to get out of debt. Why? Um, so I can build the lake house. Why? So I can spend time with my grandkids. So if your drive, if your motive is the time with the grandkids, and that's what you're pointing for, well, then earning more money this year gets you likes and a lot of love, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a different level. And when you start really circling and getting clarity on those big ones that really are life-defining and priority, then it makes it so much easier for you to take the other things off the list that aren't even in the same category. Yeah. And what's crazy is you end up getting a lot of those along the way without even realizing it, especially the like stuff. Yeah. You know? Uh, okay. Let's pl I'm going to, I'm going to play. This is playtime with Tom and Kevin on uh, an important topic. As you said in your book, in your sweet acknowledgement to me that we get to spend time every week talking about the things that really matter. So, I, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about a state of mind is what we're looking at. All of us are sitting down right now with whatever level of satisfaction and fulfillment that we have and don't have. And we're writing down some goals for the year based on some mental realities we want to achieve. That's it. Cause it's not the thing. It's not whatever thing that we put down there that we want to lose weight or gain muscle. That we want to make so much money or give away so much money or that we want to uh, find a romantic relationship. I mean, all those things are, these are things that I want to do so that coming back to what you said, so that what, well, so that I feel this way. And it got me thinking, uh, one of my kids, we sold, sold an old car recently and it reminded me there was a car I sold. I was probably in my early twenties and I sold, uh, a car and the guy that came to buy it came there on a bike. So he rode his old jalopy bike here to get this car. It was a car that I had rolled. It was a, a Volkswagen 
can't remember what the, what kind of a Volkswagen it was, but I had rolled it in the snow. So the top was caved in a little bit. We had to push it back out, but it ran fine and it, you know, it did stuff, but I saw, I don't remember how much we sold it, but the guy was ecstatic. He came, he had cash in hand. He took his bike apart, stuffed it in the back, drove away. And it could not have been happier. Now I've known, and I'm sure you have, or you've experienced it yourself of, uh, you know, somebody who did that and they walked onto the Porsche dealership, Mercedes, whatever. And they bought that car that they dreamed about as a kid, as they worked themselves out of homelessness and, you know, bad out of the, the orphanage and the, you know, you can make the story rags riches and they go and they bought that thing and they drove out. And it was, I want to take away the negative you know, things that we say sometimes about somebody driving a Porsche or whatever, I'm I'm trying to put it as this is a, this is an achievement for somebody that they came out of such hardship and they achieved this. And it just makes them feel so successful, so fulfilled, but it's no different, no higher feeling than that guy, you know, with the jalopy. And, and it's interesting. I've, you know, I've known some people who have, their dream was to move to, you know, the middle of Paris and get rid of their car, never have one again. They get to walk to everywhere that they need and they don't even need a car. You know, it doesn't matter. So crappy car, jalopy, but it's better than your bike, uh, Porsche or no car. We're talking about achieving something that makes us feel a certain way. And that's what I want to get to the root of there. And you said something that's an interesting playground for that too, is asking the question, what will it feel like if and when I achieve X. And then the converse is, what will it feel like if I don't? And I'm really more curious to some degree. I'm curious with both because sometimes I've asked that of myself and of other people, what would it feel like if you achieved it? And when they really go down that road, they go, gosh, son of a gun. If I think about it, that's not really that great. If I achieve that, then I'm going to be in this reality doing this day in and day out or having to do, Ooh, I don't know if I do want that. And on the other side, you know, looking at what is it if I don't achieve it, some people look at it and go, man, it'd be devastating if I don't. That's a great motive. But conversely, some people look at it and go, gosh, if I don't achieve that, eh, it's not terrible. Well, that's pretty telling. It's going to be hard to get through the tough time of achieving X if the reality is that not achieving, it's not that big of a deal. So when we're playing with these, it is, it's, it's so much mind games, but we're getting to the root of, do we want this goal authentically? Do we really authentically agree with the desire for that? Can we see ourselves there? Is it that dire or not? And really getting honest with that. Well, let's start there because I got another level I want to go to, but let's just start there. I mean, we're talking about achieving a state of mind based on X. Is that too simple? It's pretty simple. That's good. Okay. Okay. Well, then let's say that it is something that we decide that we do want. My curiosity. Record progress. So what I asked the audience about based on the assumption of a goal that we actually do want to achieve or a problem we do want to solve is to look at those motivating factors. And the ones I came to, and Tom, I want you to poke at them or add or delete or whatever. Tell me what you think. But I, I had a hard time coming up with any other motives for, for achieving X other than we usually talk about goals, which is a desire focus. And I feel that that's what our industry of personal development, self-help advice, how to whatever generally talks to. I mean, you can hear the, you know, the guy from the stage, can you envision yourself in that 
whatever reality, positive reality, and they're speaking to a desire. Though, and you're coming along saying, uh, yeah, but actually studies show that about 80% of the people really are, are motivated by a problem to solve. So you just miss them, uh, a lot of those. In the same arena of looking and going, are you more motivated? And I want everybody to take one goal, not all of them, one goal and say, is it motivated by a desire? This is something I want. I want a car, whatever level. Uh, or is it from a pain? The pain of, I, man, I just do not want to walk to work again. I'm sick of it. Or is it a fear of, man, I'm going to go, you know, get that money because I'm afraid that at some point I won't be able to afford a car any longer. Uh, or I'm, I'm playing with that analogy, but pain is something right now I want to avoid or get out of. That's my motivating factor, a desire. That's something I want to achieve. And I just, I wake up in the morning and I want that. That's the motivating desire. Or is it a, and I'm always uncomfortable with the word fear because it has such a negative you know, quality to that, a fear or concern. And, and as I throw it to you, Tom, I'll put that in because my context for that is looking at my own health and wellness motives. A lot of them are for right now for a desire right now, but I'm, I want to, I want to say, I really feel like maybe one of the significant roots is a fear of what I don't want to happen. I do not want to be incapacitated. I don't want to get old and linger for 20 years. I don't want cognitive impairment. That stuff scares me to death. I mean, honest, it just honestly does. It's not some, you know, staunch, Hey, I just want to be King of the world and Superman forever. Man, I'm just scared of that. I don't want to be grandpa drooling in the corner. And I say that with compassion for those that are out there. And also with the reality of, I can't, I'm not God. I can't control everything. I can do the best that I can and be per pursuing perfect health and wellness and still have a decline. I could get cancer. I could have uh, an accident, you know, whatever I'm, I'm not, I can't control it. I'm going to do the best I can probability wise to avoid that, but that's a fear. So when I, if I was to ever like the thought of falling off the wagon health wise is not, is not in my mindset because of my concern for, if I don't, if I don't continue to maintain and increase my health and wellness or maintaining it at this point, as you get older is increasing it. Um, I'm going to decrease and it's going to, I'm going to devolve. And man, that's a fear of mine. Uh, I hope it's a healthy one. So play with that with me, pain, fear, desire as those motives. Cause to know those is pretty powerful to understand our motive. You are listening to the Ziegler show and this discussion on goals and motives for the new year. We'll be right back. Well, we know that um, in general, pain is a much more powerful motivator than, than pleasure. Moving away from something that hurts gives us uh, a faster start, <laughs> yeah. a, bigger, a, a bigger kick uh, to, to get rid of that than the hope that this other thing's going to happen. And, and usually because... Um, we know we don't want to stay where we are. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I think it's great to look at your life and say, this is what I want more of. And this is what I want less of. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's just the bottom line. One of the questions we, we we've been talking with our coaches. Uh, so all of our Ziegler coaches, we have a, 
a Ziegler mastermind coach group. And, and yesterday I asked him the question, I said, can you, can you be burned out and have balanced success? Okay. I'm waiting for the answer on that one. And so let me define balanced success for a new listener. Balanced success is when on the wheel of life, there's seven spokes, mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. Balanced success is when you're eights, nines, and tens in basically all of those seven areas. Mentally, your mindset's great. You've got an optimistic outlook. You're, you're not worried or burdened or anxious. Uh, you're positive. You bring energy to the room. Uh, spiritually, your faith is solid. You know where you're going. You've, you, you know, you've, you, you do things for the right reasons. Physically, the doctor loves your blood work, right? And you're able to enjoy life and do everything you want to do. You know, there are no limitations because of the physical side. Uh, and then you just walk through all of them, family, financial, personal, and career. Yeah, you really can't have balanced success and be burned out at the same time. Like it's impossible. Yeah. Right? When how do we get burned out? It's it's where and when a couple of those spokes really go into jeopardy. If our physical health is subpar and our worry and anxiety and stress level mentally is through the roof, then we're like the recipe for getting burned out. And even if we're having some financial success in our career, right? right. And because people, one of the things that's, uh, you know, we've got all the movement with people resigning from a job and getting new jobs. Part of that is the 55 plus category of what I call the brain trust leading so many organizations and businesses a lot of them were, you know, doing pretty good in their 401ks. And over the last two years, their net, net worth has skyrocketed. And then they look at the stress and all the change in the business and they're like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so we've got a, we've got this vacancy. And so it's all these battlefield promotions are happening in organizations where people younger are getting promoted up, younger, less experienced. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, is that um, a lot of those people, if they had balanced success, they probably would have been like, man, this is just another, this is just another great time to, to, to grow through. The thing that I think we've got to have, what's our motive? So we're going to move away from the pain. We have to have extreme clarity on why we want what we want. But there's two other uh, or there's three other foundational pieces that need to be in play in order for us to to really maintain and go after the long term goals that take a lot of energy. And those three things are mindset, belief and self-image. If, if you have something big that you want to accomplish, a big dream, dad called them BHAGs, mm -hmm. big, hairy, audacious goals. If you got a big, hairy, audacious goal and you're very disciplined, you can probably create the habits that will get you that goal over time. But if your self-image, your belief, or your mindset 
doesn't see you mm-hmm. pushing through the pain, pushing through the, the, the perseverance, or even from a belief spec, uh, perspective, it, it's like people who win the lottery and suddenly they have millions of dollars. They can live wherever they want. And within a couple of years, all the money's gone and they're living in worse conditions than before they won the lottery. It's because their mindset and their belief was, I don't deserve it. And so even though they got it, they didn't deserve it. And you see this with a lot of celebrities, uh, uh, athletes, uh, entertainers who go from struggle, struggle, struggle to uh, suddenly their money's everywhere. Well, in their mind and in their belief, they didn't deserve it. And so those things flee them. And, and Proverbs talks a lot about this. So if we're going to move towards something, it's great to have both pain and pleasure as motivators. You've got to have clarity on what it is you want to accomplish. The why behind it has to be both love and likes. Right. Yeah. I like the things that it gets me, but I love all the things that money can't buy that come with it. I mean, uh, do we want to build a lake house after a successful career and not have anybody to share it with? That doesn't sound like much fun to me. Yeah. Right. So, so mindset, belief, and self-image. Yeah. Those three things have to be included in this plan in order to get there. The, you know, as you're talking about that and saying that there needs to be equal parts, and it gives a different perspective to what I was going to bring up next that I'll add to it. And one was if you, you mentioned the Ziegler wheel of life, it's a great muse for anyone looking to set goals. If you don't have some kind of a, you know, Ziegler performance planner or, or goals planner or have something official to even just go online. So I'm going to give that to everybody. You can go just type in Ziegler wheel of life. You'll find different variations of what Tom just listed off. And that's a great muse to go through and look at goals because it outlines the primary areas of our life where we desire fulfillment. So to go through there and to set those and then to look at them, because when I asked this question and I asked it online and we got kind of equal responses uh, to people who said, I'm motivated by pain, by fear, by desire, but it's not really a fair question because if we, again, look at that Ziggler wheel of life, if I do, I'll own this, I fill it out for myself. There are certain things on that list that I will say, I'm motivated by a desire primarily. Or I'm next one, man, that's kind of a fear driven one. And next one, Ooh, it's a pain that I am there. And I, that's where I feel like the value is, is being clear on what that motive is. But what you just added to that really was saying that each of those, to some degree, we would say is probably a spectrum of all three to some degree. So, okay, maybe I primarily feel, you know, a feel, take my health and wellness, you know, which is just such a vital part of my own life. Uh, my, my daily capacity and energy and enthusiasm and self-image and all that is wrapped up in my health and wellness and, and what I do. So I, I just talked a minute ago about having a fear aspect to that. That is a daily thought of, 
not doing X, Y, Z for so long and losing momentum and I'm going to devolve and I'm going to have more chance of being that impaired older person as opposed to one at a high capacity. So there's a fear component, but is there a desire component? Absolutely. I also want to look well and feel well right now, you know, today, is there a pain aspect? Sometimes, um, I mean, I've gone through different times of, of back issues, uh, that I had that I realized were related to my diet, eating foods that gave me inflammation that for me happened to put up my back out from old injuries. <clears throat> I just recently had a bike wreck, uh, best one I've had in a couple years. And it, I thought I broke some ribs. Turns out, I don't think I did, but I, I came real close. So I stretched, or I really stressed the muscles uh, internally to where it's hard to sneeze, hard to take a deep breath. And man, that's a pain motive to look at my days, to look at what I was eating because I wanted to recover and get back out there quickly. So there's a part of both of them. Now I could take another area. You could take a financial area, relationship area, spiritual area. And again, go through those. Go, what, what is that primary motivator? <clears throat> is it pain? Is it desire? Is it a, is it a fear? And so we're talking around aspects of clarity that I want people to hear. I want me to hear. I want everyone to hear because outside of that, we just go along. I've done it too. And we just write out our goals. Okay. I'm going to take these areas. I'm going to do my chore for the year, which is what a lot of people do and write down these goals. And I'm really not that invested in them. That's why we see resolutions. There's horrible stats on new year's resolutions. Well, okay. Let me finish that thought. And, and then we don't achieve those and we feel guilt. I think most people go around feeling guilty for that. I want to help alleviate that to some people. I think you'd be better off not to write the goals down than you, than as you said, write down ones you don't really care about even worse if you don't care about it and you do achieve it. And there's the collateral damage you know, of that as well. Uh, but to look at these, at these goals and coming back to what you said on the like and the love, I think a lot of people write down the goals that they there's like attached to. It would be nice. The term that comes to me is it would be nice. So here's your goal. So achieving that, you know, how, how would that make you feel? It'd be, it'd be nice. Really just, just nice. So is it okay? What, what would happen if year goes by and you don't achieve that? Eh, it's not so bad. Dude, just take that off. What's the point? You, you, it's, it's, it's not one. It's not, let's find one that really needs your energy. And playing with that like and love, Tom, I appreciate you putting out there. That's powerful. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this discussion on goals and motives for the new year. We'll be right back. You know, Kevin, I was thinking back um, when I was a young guy, probably in my teenage years. And I said, you know, dad, what's, why do you work so hard? Why do you travel and do all this stuff? What do you, what's your, what's your goal? <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, son, I don't have a great need to be wealthy, but I have a great need not to be poor. That's good. And so that was really, you know, it made me think at that age. And that's from someone who um, they were the second poorest family during the Great Depression in a little town called Yazoo City, Mississippi, single mom. And, you know, he wore hand-me-down clothes that were stitched up and sewn by his mom. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. He started work when he was six. So he's, you know, (laughs) dad would say in his early talks, he says, I've I've walked in your shoes. Hmm. Meaning whatever struggle people were going through from a self-image perspective or from a financial thing, he's been through it. He was the guy from the little, you know, little guy from the little town. I think he said he was like 130 pounds as a senior. I mean, he was not a big guy. Um, and so he, he, he had all those struggles. And as he started to find how to be more successful, he realized, wait a second, it's the things I love that matter. And I have a need not to be poor, but I don't have, an, you know, wealth will take care of itself. Um, through the problems that I solve. Uh, I agree with him on that. I also add on to that thought, and that is we can be a lot more intentional with our wealth. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid pl- um, playing golf at the country club, um, trying to be a professional golfer, you know, I was making $1,000 a month and playing at dad's club where, you know, all the members are, <laughs> pretty well off. Well, the thing I didn't realize at the time that was the unintended consequences, I got mentored by a lot of these successful people. And one of the guys there, his name is Art Thompson. And I remember him, he was telling me a story about somebody who worked with him and they had done really, really well. They basically uh, had some things come together. And he said they were on the, they were on the one yard line and they kicked the field goal and they won the game, but the defense committed a penalty. And so now the ball is on the half yard line and they decided to run the ball in to win by more. And they don't make the touchdown. So this person had won the financial position in life to never have to struggle or worry again, but basically decided to risk it all. And they were back in the, um, struggle. They, they were everything they'd built uh, was put put in jeopardy. And I I look at our life and, and what we do, and so many times we make snap decisions around what gives us uh, temporary around what gives us temporary pleasure, rather than looking at the long term and understanding there's risk when we do that. Record us. Well, Tom, that's a great last point to anchor on is the word risk uh, in and of itself, because that is one that I really appreciate looking at because I am someone who is I've made it a habit of taking risks. Uh, people would say, oh, I, you know, I like taking risks. I, I don't know that I do, but I do like, you know, pushing the envelope, seeing what I'm capable of. Um, honestly, maybe like you, Tom, I feel like I was given the gift of faith on a silver platter. Maybe the great, one of the greatest gifts I got as a kid is getting to see my dad like you. I got to see my parents go after something and succeed. I got to see that even more so. And I think more beneficial to me, I got to go out them see, see them go after something and fail. And at the end of the day, we still gather around the dinner table. They still ask about schoolwork and, you know, my bike racing and, and whatnot. And we played a game of Scrabble or, watch 
Dallas or the Dukes of Hazard or whatever it may be. And life went on. What a gift. So to me, it's the risk is not that risky. Um, but for most people, I do understand risk when you're sitting here right now and you've got life going on and you're trying to keep things together. And the thought of doing something different is a literal risk. It could be the difference of paying the mortgage or not, keeping electricity on or not, uh, keeping your family you know, fed and clothed well, or, or just keeping the peace for a lot of people. And it's a big risk. So I understand that. But what we do is generally look at that thing, that goal and say, okay, what's the risk, you know, of going after that. And the one, and this is pithy. It's been said by a zillion people, but I'm going to put it out there again. Cause I think we still miss the gravity of it, which is looking at the risk of not doing that, which comes back to that thing I've hit on. I didn't mean to necessarily hit on multiple times is that if we look at that thing and say, you know, what's the consequence of not reaching it? It's not that big a deal. It's probably not strong enough. We're looking for a consequence saying, man, if I don't do that, I'm not okay with that. That's one of my favorite motives, Tom, is looking forward and going, man, if I don't, that's what caused me uh, many years ago to build the house that I have up in the national forest for my family. It wasn't the desire of, oh, I want this oversized alternative home up in a national forest. And I had this grand vision and desire. That's what people would expect. That is not the motive. And it was not period. It was, I I'm afraid of my kids not growing up in an environment that I think would serve them best and me. I mean, I was, it wasn't just for them, me too. It was, you know, even me as their father, I will be best in this environment with them. And it was, uh, it was almost a burden to me. I, I just wanted to happen. And you mentioned it earlier, you know, what if you afford the lake house after you're old enough, there's nobody there to to, uh, to, to experience it, to enjoy it. And it was, that was kind of the, that was the main motivator for me building this house. I did not have the money. I did not have the time. I did not have the knowledge. So of the Trinity of what you need, I had zip, man, (laughs) I had a heck of a motive and, uh, it, it came to pass. It's a long story, but so thank you for ending on risk, you know, for us to look at what's the risk of going after these goals. What's the risk of not that right there. Uh, might be able to caps encapsulate the greatest motive right there, eh? Yeah, and I love your take on risk. Um, and when we coach people, what people don't understand is what you just said. The risk is doing nothing. Yeah. The risk is not pursuing something. And so where do you draw the line on risk? It's when you risk what you love, not what you like. Hmm. So if you're going to grow and go do something and the risk is you might have to wait another year to get your car that you've always wanted, take the risk, man. But if it's a relationship or your health or your mental well-being or one of those things, that's what you love. You got to really sit down and think about it because those things aren't worth the risk. And there's the mic drop and anchor of the show. Tom brother. Thank you. Happy new year. Merry Christmas. I love you dearly. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I trust this better equips you for your New Year's resolutions and goal setting to be more powerful than ever before. Again, we'll be talking further about this with each other in my Driven to Live community, which you can find at kevinmeller.co. It's 45 bucks per month. Every week, I post all the podcast episodes in there where we can discuss them deeper and individually. And every week, we have a live Zoom call together for, again, discussions about what matters. 
you can check it out kevinmiller.co if you've got questions concerns anything just email me at kmiller at kevinmiller.co i'll reply to you personally Coming up next in episode 955 of The Ziggler Show, I have a guest who takes to task how we think greatness is created. We think it's talent or time, but he showcases examples of how it's simply dissected and understood, which we can all do. Till then, thank you as always as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>